so we're sitting here, I'm standing here, you're sitting there, with ash on your foreheads, and you've heard the word spoken to you, remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return, repent and believe the gospel. And James there tells us, he says, grieve, mourn and wail, change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. And you may be thinking, well, this isn't very uplifting. But the whole point of Ash Wednesday is to recognize that we are sinful human beings in need of a savior. A lot of you will remember Rick and Tracy Gummo, who were with us a year before last. Rick was in his final year of training for ordination, and he was based at this church. And they've now gone out west, and they're leading churches in Mitchell, Charleville, Quilpie, Connemulla, all those places. Churches that have been lifeless for years have now got life in them. And Rick's got a wonderful ministry with the Aboriginal community. He's really built up their trust. And he was telling me how one family came to him and said, why should we believe in Jesus? What a question. So Rick explained the gospel to them, the good news of Jesus. And by the end of it, they were all on their knees weeping together. Tears of sorrow for their sins and tears of joy for the love and forgiveness that Jesus offers each one of us. So when James says, grieve, mourn, and wail, change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom, he doesn't mean that Christians should be generally dour and miserable. What he's saying is, let's take sin seriously. Because when we take sin seriously, we begin to understand the magnitude of what Jesus has done for us. And it's overwhelming. It's life-changing. I don't know how many of us have wept because we recognize that we have rebelled against our loving Heavenly Father. But those tears of grief and sorrow quickly turn to joy as we realize that God still loves us. He sent his son Jesus to die for us, and he wants us back. He wants us back. So what are we repenting of today? Well, all sorts of things. Anger, bitterness, resentment unkindness, lovelessness, lust, envy, pride. We could be here all night listing our sins. But you know what? If we do not draw near to God, those sins will persist or increase in our lives. Our reading began, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Are we submitting ourselves to God? Is our relationship with God and his will for our lives our most important priority? Are we submitting ourselves to God? Are we resisting the devil? At the end of uh, the 40 days that Jesus spent in the wilderness, he was tempted by the devil. And how did he respond? He quoted scripture. He quoted each time from the book of Deuteronomy. He was able to stand firm on the promises of God and resist the devil. Are we resisting the devil? Are we coming near to God? Do we have that spiritual hunger and thirst that makes us want to seek God out each day? Are we coming near to God? Now, I'm guessing that most of us don't hear those questions and go, yeah, that's me. You might be thinking, well, yeah, kind of, or well, that's not really the place I'm in at the moment. 
You know, as a pastor, I have a lot of pastoral conversations. People have got stuff going on in their lives. All of us, everybody has got stuff going on in their lives. And, and often I'll say, are you praying about this? No. Well, are you sometimes praying with someone, your spouse or a friend? Are you sometimes praying about it? No. Are you reading the Bible so that you can hear the word of God speaking into your life? No. Are you hanging out with godly people who can encourage you in your faith? No. If you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. But equally, if you want to keep your distance, God will respect that. But as Christians, how can we have all this stuff going on in our lives and not be praying? And how can we see this stuff going on in other people's lives and not be praying for them, not be reaching out to them? And if we know that forgiveness and eternal life is possible, surely one of our main priorities should be to draw other people into the kingdom so that they can discover what we've discovered. We read most of Psalm 51, and the psalmist clearly knows that he's sinful. But he's also aware that God can blot out his transgressions, wash away his iniquities, cleanse him of all sin. But then look at verse 13. It says, Then I will teach transgressors your ways, so that sinners will turn back to you. He knows he's sinful. He's found God's forgiveness. And now he wants that for other people. Do we? Is that what we want? Do we want to draw near to Jesus and do we want to help other people to draw near to Jesus? Maybe the thing that we need to repent of more than anything, and I don't mean just us here tonight, but I mean the church in the Western world, is that we've fallen asleep at the wheel. I recently saw a two-hour documentary about the growth of the church in Iran. The Iranian church is probably the fastest growing church in the world. It's really exciting. It doesn't have any buildings. There's no central leadership. It's mostly led by women, which is highly unusual in that part of the world, but it is exploding. It is growing at an exponential rate. And the film cites one Iranian couple who had the chance to live in the US. And after living in the States for a matter of months, the wife decided that she wanted to go back to Iran. And the husband was quite surprised by this. I mean, why go back to that level of persecution? And here's what she said. She said, there is a satanic lullaby here. All the Christians are sleepy, and I'm feeling sleepy. If we're going to repent of anything today, let's repent of nodding off on our watch. If we take our faith more seriously, if we draw near to Jesus we'll be much more able to align ourselves with his will for our lives. So today we begin the season of Lent when lots of Christians give something up for that 40-day period leading up to Easter. That's 40 days, not including Sundays, by the way. Uh, You might hear of people giving up chocolate, TV, alcohol, red meat, whatever it is. You may have given up those things yourself in the past. Uh, And maybe that has enabled you to focus on Christ, to build up that relationship. It's given you the impetus to obey him and follow him more closely. Or maybe it's just been tokenism. I don't know. That's between you and God. But what I think we should do this Lent is use this time to lift ourselves out of our slumber, 
a time to wake up and get serious about our faith. Rather than giving something up, I mean, you can do that if you like, but why not take something up? Regular Bible reading, prayer, family devotions, get the Bible out at mealtimes, just read a couple of verses, talk about it, pray about it. Uh, We've got our hubs that will be running the uh, Lent study, which is following Jesus. Why not join one of the hubs just for this season of Lent? So you don't have to commit uh, indefinitely to being a part of the hub, but maybe you can get involved for Lent to kind of give your faith a kickstart. You've got Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday to choose from. Uh, let's come to church each week. Let's make that a priority. Uh, how about making time to share our faith? Alpha's starting in April. Alpha's an ideal opportunity to invite people from outside of the church, and it's very easy for them to come along to something like Alpha. It's very informal, and uh, people will come. If you invite them, they'll come. Invite someone to church. Offer to pray for someone, or better still, offer to pray with them. Text someone an encouraging Bible verse. Go out of your way to love people. And when they ask you why you're doing it, you can tell them about Jesus. I was in the uh, Young Offenders uh, Center on Monday, and one of the things that they all want to know is, why are you here? They can't think of one possible reason why anyone would go in to visit them. And then you can tell them that God loves them, and you love them, that they matter. It's powerful. Let's do something. Let's do anything to proclaim the good news to a broken world that desperately needs to hear it. Let's use this Lent as a time to ignite or reignite our faith and our passion for Jesus. Let's start to form habits that we can keep going beyond Lent, a pattern for life. Let's be awake and alive for Christ. So we are sitting here with Ash on our foreheads. And as we, we heard, it's a, it's a sign of penitence. It's a sign that we are sorry for our sins. Well, if we're sorry, if we're sorry that we've allowed other things to push God out of our lives, if we're sorry for falling asleep at the wheel, let's do something about it. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. May this Lenten season be a life-changing experience for all of us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray, uh, whether we're giving up anything for Lent or not, we pray that we will take something up, that we will be more focused on you and what you have planned for our life and our church and our community We pray, Father, that we'll have a a deep desire to, to hear your word and to immerse ourselves in it and to get to know you and to be used by you as a powerful force for good in whatever sphere of influence we find ourselves in. Heavenly Father, we pray that we will wake up, that we won't be that sleepy church, that we'll want to get out there and make a difference for Christ, and win people for Christ. Give us that passion, give us that desire, and we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.